sunny but underneath the surface lies a dark world behind your safe little havens that y'all call home beneath the surface there's an evil that festers and grows where the american dream goes dark this is the literary license podcast america goes dark episode you're a book to screen show where we head down a dark alley and discover the books the films and all the darkness in between with your co-host Leandro Gazi, Craig Johnson, David Grant, Vicky Ray, and Keith Shago. Things may look perfect on the outside, but what really goes on behind closed doors? Podcast and this book the screen will be discussing the book and the film version. And today we're doing the talented Mr. Ripley. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Leandro Gazi with us. Hello, Leandro. Hi, how are you? And Vicky Ray. Hi, everybody. And I'm your host, Keishago. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Leandro. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Uh well, I have um another um but it's called allotment. I need to explain what it is, right? It's a piece of land where I uh, plant vegetables. Oh. Uh, I have another one. I used to have one, but in the future, I will have to move from there because they're going to build a road. I don't know when. So the place gave me another one to start. So now at the moment, I have two. Are uh, they yours? You pay every year. That's so. a really cool idea. Do you get to grow your own stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, uh, but the, well, the thing is, so far now I have two, so I have just one that was in, totally empty, have been planting things like trees, fruit trees, and doing all, you know, um, uh, like squares where I plant the, the vegetables, and then working, training, um, not much, not all, more or less. <laughs> and you? 
And what about yourself, Vix? What have you been up to? Not a whole lot. Um, it's been kind of nice here. So we've been, I've been just trying to do my garden. Asher has his motorcycle thing going on. Um, they kind of just trying to do, trying to get away. We got rid of cable. So that's a good thing because that I watch a lot of that crap on there anymore. But we got the internet TV. So I've got like a million channels and don't know what to do with all of them. Tell you the truth. I did watch, just watch this. You and I think you suggest this to Joe. You guys probably like it. It was on Tubi. I didn't finish watching it yet because that's kind of not enough, but it was called Celebrity Skin. It's all about the 70s and the 80s and when, you know, like, and, and not so much the horror genre. I'm trying to remember which movie actually brought the skin. Well, it's, it's about people, you know, like actors and actresses, like where they actually showed skin and like their first flicks. And, and a lot of it's just pretty damn funny. I mean, it's like, wow, you just never expect to see certain people. It's like, I didn't know they did that or, you know, but I got to finish watching it because it's really fascinating as far as if you really are into cinema and, you know, and origin and, and how this stuff come to be and just all these crazy movies that are out there. I weren't even aware of it. It's really worth tuning into on TV. And I started watching this. I was trying so hard to stay away from series because I will sit there and if I really like it, I won't move. So I've been trying to avoid the series, but then I found this one. I believe it's on Netflix. It's called Tales from the Loop. I don't know if any, it's really quite interesting. I, it's, I only got to like episode three, but it's about this thing. It's underground, but it's supposed to be the prime mover, God, if you will, whatever. That's as far as I've got into it. And, and everybody has another person that's them in another parallel universe. And it's just getting really squirrely. It got really squirrely in the second episode. So I got to see what happens to this guy. And um, mm. just, it, it's just kind of interesting. It's weird, but you know, it caught my attention. So I'm probably going to watch the other seven or eight episodes. But other than that, just kind of, kind of chilling, not doing a whole lot because summer's here. So what about you? Um, I've just been working and watching and playing Resident Evil games from zero on up. Is that a so, good thing? Yeah, it is actually because I love the stories. It's like what it's like playing a movie. So you start all over again? Is what you're doing? Yeah, so I did Resident Evil Zero and did one and I just finished two and I'm doing the third one now. So no, the fit, are they gonna do a second season of Resident Evil? The no, no they cannot do that. Oh, I oh. knew they were going to do that. Oh, because it was shit. It was really bad. It was not shit. I really liked it. I was like really <laughs> wanting you? to see what was going to happen. I hate it when they do that. That's another reason why I don't get vested in freaking series anymore. Mm -hmm. Because you get attacked to it, attached, and then nothing. Oh, uh, I was really disappointed because I am such a fan of the games and stuff. And it, had nothing, like, and it had nothing to do with the games. It was just like a, a travesty. Well, it was all about Raccoon City, though. Yeah, but they still had Wesker and all the other characters um, floating through there, and they're just nothing like it. And the thing is, this, the right. storylines in the games are just so much more richer than any of the right. movies, and I just don't understand why they don't do that. So, But saying that, they are doing a Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles, where they're, they're going to be filming Resident Evil Zero, and they're going to start doing the... They're actually going to start filming the games. As the game as, like... The stories in the games. The, the storylines so. from the game. Okay. Yeah. So. That makes sense. So that'll be so. Hopefully, they'll do a good job, or they'll fuck it up again. Who knows? So. <laughs> Got to fuck so. it up a few times. Yeah, precisely. 
I mean, I like the Mila Jinovich, but they have nothing to do with the games at all. Not even the character names are all messed up. So well, you like the movies, right? I well, I enjoyed them, but they're nothing like the games. So well, they're not gonna be. So, well, I mean, I think now that they did The Last of Us, and that was a a straightforward, you know. Um, well, that was a game too. Yeah, but that was a straightforward adaption of the game. I mean, what so you what you saw in the timeline and the story story and everything like that and that's why i did so well so well, so yeah. we'll see but yeah that's pretty much all i've been up to and ferris is moving here and on the 15th so he'll so be we have bumped things up all right i'm so happy for you guys so i guess we're going camping in august somewhere where are you so. going camping somewhere in england i never somewhere. took you for the roughing it kind of guy i used to you uh, used to <laughs> I used to. Not since, not since I moved to England, but I used to when I lived in the <laughs> I States. I didn't even so. know they did camping in England. I, when I think I think tea and crumpets, I'm not thinking roughing it with a 12 gauge or fish bowl. Mm. So. Yeah. That's so cool, though. That. There's probably very beautiful places to camp there, seriously. Yeah, and we're thinking about going to Alton Towers at some point this summer as well, go to the amusement park. So. How fun. So, so if Leandro, if you're around, if you want to go, let us know. So. Um, that park is not in London. No, it's not. It's outside of London. Oh, uh, quit making excuses. Get out, Leandro. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. Fun. Uh, no, I, I like amusement <laughs> parks, but, but I think a friend has gone recently, and then he told me he was he was near London. Uh, but I don't know if it was that one. I think it was that one. No, the one near London is Thorpe Park. Yeah, Alton Alton Towers is in the middle of England somewhere. I okay. can't remember exactly where. It'll be yeah. a day trip on a train, probably, huh? Hmm. Well, we were thinking about going up the night before, spending the night in a hotel, and then go spend the whole day there, and then spend the night, um, the next night there, and then come home in the morning. So sounds mm -hmm. like a plan. Sounds yep. like a plan. So so, but besides that, not a lot is going yeah. on. So just, summertime, you know, no matter where you are. Yeah, summer, summer, summer. Summer, summer. summer. Oh. <laughs> and that brings us to The Talented Mr. Ripley, which is a 1955 psychological thriller novel by Patricia Highsmith. This novel introduced the character Tom Ripley, who returns in four subsequent novels. It has been adopted numerous times for screen, including Purple Noon from 1960, starring... Alan Delon and the talented Mr. Ripley 1999 starring Matt Damon. What we're going to do is cut to the synopsis of the talented Mr. Ripley and be right back. This is a synopsis for The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. Tom Ripley is a young man struggling to make a living in New York City by whatever means necessary, including a series of small-town confidence scams. One day he is approached by a shipping magnate, Herbert Greenleaf, to travel to Mangiabello, based on the resort town Pastiano in Italy, to persuade Greenleaf's errant son, Dickie, to return to the United States and join the family business. 
Ripley agrees, exaggerating his friendship with Dickie, a half-remember acquaintance, in order to gain the elder Greenleaf's trust. Shortly after his arrival in Italy, Ripley meets Dickie and Dickie's girlfriend Marge Sherwood, and Dickie allows Tom Ripley to stay with him in his Italian home. As Ripley and Dickie spend more time together, Marge feels left out. However, soon after Ripley arrives, Freddie Miles, a school friend of Dickie's, visits Dickie's summer home. Tom begins to grow jealous of Freddie and grows closer to Marge over their shared anguish and Dickie's shifting loyalty. Dickie becomes upset when he unexpectedly finds Ripley in his bedroom, dressed up in his clothes and imitating his mannerisms. From this moment on, Ripley senses that Dickie has begun to tire of him, resenting his constant presence and growing personal dependence. Ripley has indeed become obsessed with Dickie, which is further reinforced by a desire to imitate and maintain the wealthy lifestyle Dickie has afforded him. As a gesture to Ripley, Dickie agrees to travel with him on a short holiday to San Reno. Sensing that he is about to cut him loose, Ripley finally decides to murder Dickie and assume his identity. When the two set sail in a small rented boat, Ripley beats him to death with an oar, dumps his anchor weight body into the water, and scuttles the boat. Ripley assumes Dickie's identity, living off the latter's trust fund and carefully providing communications to Marge to ensure her that Dickie has dumped her. Ripley forges checks and changes his appearance to better resemble Dickie in order to continue his lavish lifestyle he has enjoyed. Freddie Miles encounters Ripley at what he's supposed to be Dickie's apartment in Rome. He soon suspects something is wrong. When Miles finally confronts him, Ripley kills him with a heavy glass ashtray in the apartment. He later disposes the body on the outskirts of Rome, attempting to make the police believe that robbers have murdered Miles. Ripley enters a cat-and-mouse game with the Italian police, but manages to keep himself safe by restoring his own identity and moving to Venice. In succession, Marge, Dickie's father, and an American private detective confront Ripley, who suggests to him that Dickie was depressed and may have committed suicide. Marge stays for a while at Ripley's rented house in Venice. When he discovers that Dickie's rings in Ripley's possession, she seems to be on the verge of realizing the truth. Panicked. Ripley contemplates murdering Marge, but she is saved when she says that if Dickie gives his rings to Ripley, then he probably meant to kill himself. The story concludes with Ripley traveling to Greece and resigning himself to eventually getting caught. However, he discovers that the Greenleaf family has accepted that Dickie is dead and that they have transferred his inheritance to Ripley, in accordance with a will forged by Ripley on Dickie's Herm's typewriter. While the book ends with Ripley happily rich, it also says that he may forever be dogged by paranoia. In one of the final paragraphs, he nervously envisions a group of police officers waiting to arrest him, and Highsmith leaves her protagonist wondering, was he going to see the police waiting for him on every pier that he ever approached? Ripley, however, quickly dismisses this and proceeds with his trip. And this is the synopsis for The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Legends Podcast. We're discussing The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. So, Leandro, what are your thoughts of The Talented Mr. Ripley? Uh, well, I really like the story. 
Uh, the way that is uh, written is, is uh, um, easy to read, really like for me, I don't know, like direct, you know, not nothing that keep you thinking, yes, the, what happened in the story, right? But not, not how it's written. Um, it was really um, because all the things are not sometimes what it seems mm -hmm. about him and he's kind of like um he's not a nice person is he but he's fascinating at the same time yes. um come across like, like kind of his his real life is really like um well not shallow because it's, it's really complicated itself but it's like like not like kind of like in his real life nothing is going on much but but as he's trying to show an image that something that or copy someone that he's not there's one one part that I was reading and said, give you a little detail, and then between brackets said, ah, this is the, like the this is true. <laughs> and th that was really fun because you not know, like um, there are things that that he let other people know about him, and there are others that that you will never probably see them. Um, yeah, I, I would recommend it. To be honest. Um, well, I have seen the movie, then read the book. So uh, when that thing happens, is for me it's really hard to escape for the first thing that came to came across. I thought the book and the movie kind of stayed were pretty close together. Yes, yes. Mm, yeah, um, I didn't. Well, I mean, yeah. it left out a lot of details about Marge and all of her bullshit yeah. and everything else, but yeah, well, and about I his thought... the inner workings of his brain. But yeah, I mean, I thought. I mean, what I like quite like about the novel is is that um, it also showed how intricate and how everyone's kind of yeah. like that society is all connected. Everyone knows everyone else's situation. They're connected, but they're disconnected. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And I mean, this, this whole book, it was all obsession and lack of reality or reality. What's reality? Was is it? Because back then they didn't in the book. You know, you didn't have computers. This is like mid fifties, I believe. And you didn't have any way to research anybody. So you could probably pull all this shit off what he did. And he's really ingenious about how he does it. And he's yeah. as cool as a cucumber, too. I mean, it doesn't seem like too much ruffles his feathers except his dislike of Marge. You know, I, I didn't I didn't get he was gay or bisexual or whatever to like three or four chapters in. You know, I because it just didn't. I thought he was going to have an obsession with her, not him. Dickie Greenlee, you know what I mean? I thought it was going to be with her, but it just totally took a twist, which I really like how she did that. I thought that was interesting. Well, well I also kind of thought that, um, I don't know if he was in love with Dickie Greenlee for just... Um, he was obsessed with Dickie. Yeah, obsessed with, like, maybe because of his lifestyle. Because I wonder if Dickie was poor, would he still be obsessed with No, him? he wanted what he had. That was really all he wanted, was what he had. But I think he had, I don't even think, did he actually care about Dickie? Probably not, or he wouldn't have hit him over the head of that boat or. And one thing, I, I don't know if I missed it in the book, and I, I lost it in the movie, too, in translation, but did did Dickie kill the Italian girl that he got pregnant? Or did she kill herself? No. Uh, my she, other, I think she killed herself. Yeah. I think. You think she killed herself? Because he did well, blow her up. He wasn't going to help her. But 1950s, single right, girl, right. pregnant. Italy. In Italy. Yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, I was just wondering because it was just the way they were describing stuff. And I, I was just wondering, did he kill her? You know, because he just didn't seem too shocked when her body was, you know, mm-hmm. in the book or the movie for that matter. That, that mm-hmm. he Whoa. didn't have, he had lack of empathy for this girl. He didn't mind sleeping with her. I mean, Dickie was not a nice person either. So it was kind of like, you know, I don't know if it, he just was, he was, I don't think he was a snob so much, but he had all this wealth. Didn't earn any of it. And he was one of those entitled little brats, I guess, only it was the 1950s. But here you have um, Tom come into the picture. And these people are so full of holes in their reality that they're not even, you know, congealed together as a, as a good friendship. And it was easy for him to infiltrate their group. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then when Fred, Freddie was the only one that really figured out what was going on and we you know what happened to him. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, in the book, it's it's kind of bizarre because you know, yes. First, you have you know Ripley and his and uh, Greenlee's father showing up, and then you know, oh, can you bring my son home because right. my wife's my wife's got MS, and um, they need you know, Dickie needs to be home before she dies. Situation, and then when when. Um, Tom Ripley comes clean to Dickie. Then what? We, what you basically get is like, oh, we'll spend Daddy's money, right? So even though it's in effect, it's actually Tom's money, but he ends spending that. And then when that runs out, and then Dickie no longer wants to have anything more to do with Tom because Tom doesn't have any more money. So how much of an allowance did he give him? I didn't see a numerical value anywhere. Was it just? Um, I think it was one thousand dollars. I knew the one thousand, but. I mean, I guess one thousand goes a long way, even in Italy in the fifties. Yeah. Yes. I well, mean, I, I, thought, I thought. I, I mean, a thousand dollars a month. Oh, it was a month. It wasn't just one sum. Okay, that explains no. everything. I was so confused by that. Like, how was yeah, he doing no. this for months on end on just a thousand dollars? So. Yeah, I mean, D- Dickie was getting a thousand um dollars a month from his trust fund or whatever, or from his father or from the father's company. So he had that to spend, but then again, they never lived cheaply anyway. I mean, they had a housekeeper and, yeah, you know, and they, they were, they were always traveling and whenever they stayed somewhere, they stayed at expensive hotels and stuff. So, you know, and he, you know, the only thing he spent money on is travel, hotels and food, yeah. you know, cause he bought the house already. The house was his outright and stuff like this. And then. You know, and then Dickie wanted to be an artist. In the book, he wants to be an artist, so he's paints, and apparently his painting's pretty horrible. I guess they suck, and, yeah. And Marge wants to be a writer, so they're kind of like these mid- upper middle class to higher Yuppie than that. kind but, of people. Yeah, that basically can't afford to sit there and have hobbies that they think they can sustain a, a life on, even though they're not able to without mommy and daddy's money. So, you know, so I thought that was quite interesting. And, um... But Tom also, I mean, in the movie gets a bit more, the movie gets a bit more convoluted, but um, right. in the film is just kind of like, oh, I mean, in the book, sorry, it's like, you know, Tom kind of goes from place to place and, and, and then he like, um, and then when they think Dickie commits suicide because he killed Freddie, then it's like, and then Tom, you know, makes up a will and hands it to him. Yeah, it's like, I, yeah, I want Tom to have everything that I just took for granted in my entire life. It's like, fuck you. It's like, what a douche. 
I mean, and he got, I mean, but everybody's so messed up and dysfunctional that he could pull it off. And, and mm. when you think about it, it I, I was trying to figure out, well, I, I, you knew that, well, in the beginning, Dickie didn't even really like Tom. And it took, I think that the, the time had passed when he caught him trying on his clothes, both in the book and the movie, kind of pissed him off. Because I don't know if somebody, if I came in and somebody had my clothes, my shoes on, I was like, geez, what the hell are you doing, you know? So obviously that, I mean, he was wearing his welcome out at that point. But I mean, he did take him on that last trip for what, though? I don't understand in the book at all. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's basically to say goodbye to him, mm -hmm. you know, because. You but know, I mean, he was irritating. He wanted to get rid of him. So he takes him somewhere else. Well, it's only because Tom kept badgering, and they were and they were using Tom the last of Tom's money. I mean, so Dickie really didn't return his his sexual tension kind of feelings, did he, or didn't he? Because no. it was so confusing. It seemed like he wanted to, but he didn't. No, he didn't I mean, seem Dickie, too interested in Marge either. No, but what they say in the book, Dickie um, gets attached to people. That's right. That's right. And then, and then after a period of time, you know, he that's just gets it. tired of you. He gets tired of you, and then he could move on. What does that remind me person. of? That reminds me of somebody else, another character in a book, and I cannot it's sort of, I cannot remember who it is now. Kind of the same story. Mm. It'll bug me. Well, I mean, there are people like that in real life, anyway. You know, right. they'll be friends for a while, and then, and then the next new friend comes on, and all the other friends don't exist anymore, and situation. But I think, um, I mean, Dickie was was um, spending the last of uh, Tom Ripley's money that his father gave him, and that's right. why they went away. And then that, you know, and then that's when he finds out that this is the end, sort of thing. And and then Dickie's sister says, "Well, I'm not going to support you." And that's, yeah. I think that, you know, and I think that's where Tom, you know, kind of lost it. But another thing is, Tom, uh, Tom was never. Uh, decent person anyway i mean he was calling up and pretending he was the irs and getting yeah. people to pay you know taxes before in the beginning of the story anyway so i mean do what i quite his, do you think that his aunt screwed him up mentally maybe that's i don't i don't know i mean his parents died and i mean to be honest he, he's a con artist well yeah he's a grifter and, you know, and the thing about him being a grifter is that, I mean, this is what's quite interesting about Patricia Highsmith's book, because at the, at the end of it, we are actually rooting for an antihero. I mean, he's a murderous con man that yeah. we're rooting for. <laughs> and, yeah. and, he, and, and he makes it to the end. I mean, he makes it to four novels. Well, I thought when he got to Greece, he was, yeah, that's right. There are more books. So, I mean, there's more yeah. fucking over going on, I assume, because I've not read any of those. Uh, I read, I read, I, to get them actually because I really I read, want to find out what uh, happens to him. I read all of them and they're really, really good. So, and they made a movie, uh, they made a, a sequel, um, based on one of the books with um, John Malkovich playing Tom Ripley. So, really, I just mm -hmm. Matt Damon had it so nailed. Malkovich doesn't, I don't know, that mm -hmm. would make it even more uncomfortable for me if John Malkovich played in the sequel. Don't ask me why because. Matt Damon made you uncomfortable, you know what I mean, in a weird way. Mm. So I can't imagine John Malkovich doing it, but I probably will watch it now because I'm kind of intrigued. So mm. the French, the French version, Purple Noon, is fantastic. So oh, I didn't well. know there was a French version. Yeah, that came out in 1970. Alfred Hitchcock wanted to turn it into a movie, but because of the Hollywood Code, they couldn't let people get away with crime. Hollywood um, Code. 
so basically in Hollywood films, if you notice up until the 70s, that if you committed a crime, the, there had to be retribution. I never you had to go to jail. That. You had to die. You had to, uh, you know. For real? You I mean, is this a yeah. real thing or is this just something they do? No, it's just something that, no, it's, it's a real thing. It wouldn't pass the Hays Code unless. And then they it. I didn't know. I knew about the Hays Code, but I didn't know that part. Interesting. Yeah. Learn something so. every day you do. Yeah, and that's the reason that why I like what Dicky have is like you know some those people that are really easy to to be friends, but with the mm -hmm. same they make you feel good, and then you realize then they're like that with everyone. So you need to accept how they are, and that's what mm -hmm. what uh, Tom couldn't understand. Well, and, they all were toxic, weren't they? Yeah, and he saw that like his friendship mixed with his feelings, and. Um, but I will talk more about the movie because right. in the book you can see because you know you, in the movie you see the expression of the face and that tells like more. I well, I was trying to figure out who you know. I'm trying to to get this. You know, I can't get Matt Damon out of my head when I read the book now. Yes, yeah. You know, because I watched the movie years ago. I read the book years ago, but I went through and you know and refreshed my memory with it. But. uh but it's so hard to get Matt Damon out of your head as the character. I think I think that he's a really really good actor, and um, my, in my opinion, better than I don't know other actors. Are, for example, I don't know Brad Pitt. You know, um, the the expressions are really clear. You know, it's it's. Um, well, it's a pretty. It's 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 a mean book. I mean, there's no empathy yeah. really. There's no love, or I mean, in between the the couple, in between um, Marge and uh, Dickie, there's really no grand passion or love or. Um, or Mar Marge, Marge loves Dickie, but. But yeah, Dickie. but Dickie doesn't really re return those emotional feelings much, does he? Yeah, I mean, you do get the parts where Tom is, you know, when. Marge is upset with Tom and Dickie for going away and not coming back. And then Dickie yeah. decides to make it up and you got Tom peeping Tomming them in, in her house yeah. sort of thing. But, um, but I think another reason why Tom doesn't like Marge really is also because it's not just because of his relationship, her relationship with Dickie, but also that she's suburban, isn't she? She's not, she's not, she doesn't come from the money system that, you know, Dickie comes from. Well, she comes from some money. Does she not? No, she's Midwest. She she's a Midwest girl. That means she's suburban. She's she's probably new money, but it's not right. old money or the rich money or the the social class money. Right situation. Yeah, in you a know. way, it's like she's following uh, Dicky everywhere. Like she's never, um, I don't know what I, seeing like, doing something like kind of like for herself. Right, mm -hmm. Dicky. Don't know. He wants to go and I don't know, spend time with the friends doing jazz. He goes do it. He wants to go uh, on a boat. He goes, and she's always like, um, they are like on the side, but not not doing something like you say. Okay, this is her story. Um, I mean, another thing that's interesting in the book as well is that Marge is on Ripley's side throughout the whole book. Yeah, you know, she she you know she does she doesn't think he's guilty of anything. She thinks that you know. You know, mm -hmm. she thinks Dickie's a swine. But, but he doesn't like her, though. But she doesn't. Tom doesn't like her. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, is that um, 
you know, she's on her side and then you got the green light leaf and then you got the detective. And so the book plays differently than the movie by the end of it anyway, um, because that whole thing switches, um, which was quite interesting. But then then I kind of thought to myself is like, because the way the book is written and the way he gets away with it, you know, the you know, the fake will, you know, the the rings being in his suitcase that Dickie supposedly gave him before Dickie disappeared. And it just seemed like everyone just took everything that what was said is honesty. And I thought to myself, I was like, I would have like, what? He's got what's he doing with Dickie's rings if Dickie never took them off? Or what? It's like, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, now Dickie's leaving all his money to Tom Ripley. I know that was like it was not expecting that ending, really. Yeah. So for I me, mean, it was just kind of it was just kind of like why didn't he leave I, it to I, Marge I, or something? Why why I, I don't Well know. he wouldn't leave he wouldn't leave it to Marge anyway. It's a 50. So I mean, what's a woman gonna do with money? She's not she can't even have a fucking bank account. True. So, uh, but this is Europe. Europe was a little better to women than the United States. No, no, they weren't. No. No. I'm going to have to research some history because I was under the yeah. impression that the French and the Europeans were down with women. Mm, yeah. no, not, not in Italy, not in Naples. Well, not in Naples, probably. Yeah, yeah it's Italy. What am I thinking? Yeah. I'll have to look that up. That's going to bug me. I'm going to have to research so. that. But um, but you know the thing is, it's it's quite an interesting little tale in that you know, and the way Tom plays everyone against each other, I thought was quite ingenious. You know, like pretending he's Dicky and then doing that, and then putting things away, and then then when you think he's gonna get, and that's what I quite like about Patricia Highsmith's book, because it's like just when you think he's gonna get caught, he gets right. away with it. You always know. I know. I really time. thought it was over for him in Greece, and no, <laughs> just like yeah. no. It's like, and it makes you hate him even more. I mean, I admire him, but I hate him, you know? It's like, he's a very well, unsavory character. I mean, that's what I quite like about the Ripley books anyway. I mean, the rest of them are good. I mean, the next one is, you know, you know, he what he does with Dickie's money and he's married to like a, a really, you know, high class society woman who they lead oh, separate really? lives. And, and then... You know, and then he finds a boy and he starts training the boy to be like him in another book. And, it, you know, the story oh, continues, yeah. which is quite interesting. So, but I mean, this book did win a lot of awards when it came out as well. Like, oh, I think yeah. it won best best um, mystery suspense novel of that year and international and so on and so forth. So I wasn't aware she was uh, gay, like gay, gay, like gay. Oh, yeah, gay. Yeah. Yeah. So you told There's me, a... I knew she was gay, but I didn't know she was like militant. Yeah, well, she's um. There are some interviews online. It doesn't show. It doesn't show in her books at all that she's. You know, you wouldn't know. She's, she's very detached in her writing, though. There's not yeah. a lot of emotions or anything like that. So yeah. yeah. Well, I guess before we move on to the book, I mean, to the film, why don't we just rate the book? So how many stars do you give it, Vicki? Oh, I definitely give it a good 4.5. It lost me a couple times, but it's worth the It's worth the read. I would really be interested in probably reading one or two more of them, actually. Find out what happens to him. <laughs> and what about yourself, Leandro? Uh, four. Um, didn't have like that, that thing that uh, for me that it's a re really good story. But I don't know. Didn't touch me like other books. So 
in. Is I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it 4.5. I love it because it for me. I, I kept me involved. So I mean, it's a it's a fast read as well. I mean, it's 290 pages, and yeah, I yeah, as well as 30 short chapters, wasn't it? They're not very yeah. long. And it was quite easy just to go from one to end. And I kept, I was I was interested in it, though. I thought that the way it all tied up in the end was a bit too simple. It was a too you know? I mean, I don't know. It's just the, how how it all. How, it seemed like the book just kind of ended, kind of like. Okay, you probably got away because with she it. knew she was going to do a second book. <laughs> That's probably why she uh, left it up like that. <laughs> well, I mean, they don't they don't go back into G Dicky Greenleaf at all. So, so he's not mentioned know. in any other books. The fan, the Greenleaf. No, just that that he, that's, that's got, just got the Greenleaf money, and that's it. He never runs into Marge again or any of those people. No, so so I thought that because of that, and, and you know the the will and. You know, and explaining away, and that he got. I thought because of that ending, I thought I think it could have been a bit more clever and a bit more realistic because that was right. a bit too. That was just tying tying up loose ends a bit too simple for me. So I'll give it a four point five. So, I like well, that it brings now. us to the. <laughs> yeah, I did like it a lot. So. This brings us to The Talented Mr. Ripley, the, which is a 1999 American psychological thriller film written and directed by Anthony Mandela and based on Patricia Highsmith's 1955 novel, The Same Name. It stars Matt Damon as Tom Ripley and Jude Law, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Blanchett, and Philip Seymour Hoffman in supporting roles. The film was a critical and commercial success, grossing $128 million worldwide. It received five Academy Award nominations, including Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor for Law. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer of The Talented Mr. Ripley and be right back. Dickie Greenlee? It's Tom. Tom Ripley. Tom Ripley? We were at Princeton together. Did we know each other? Sorry, what is it? Ripley. How do you do? We'll just be for a little while. No, I like him. Marge, you like everybody. Marge, you like everybody. You uh, stay at Dickie's house, eat Dickie's food, wears clothes. And his father picks up the tab. What did you actually do in New York? Telling lies, forging signatures, uh, impersonating practically anybody. What?
Hello, welcome back to the Leisure License Podcast. We're discussing the talented Mr. Ripley, the 1999 film. So, Vix, what are your thoughts about this film? I was hoping everybody would die. They're all evil and dysfunctional. <laughs> no, it's actually a really good movie. This is like the second or third, probably the third time I've seen it. Um, and usually, like the first time around, I miss stuff. But uh, it was it was just pretty wild, though. I mean, this guy just he's everybody has zero empathy. I guess I don't even know if Gwyneth Paltrow can say she had empathy for her fellow man in this movie. Um, it was kind of sadistic, I thought, and just you know, well, just how these people. I don't know. They they use people. They use each other. It's not a happy story. It's not touchy feely. Not anything in this movie makes you feel uplifted. You know, I mean, it's not. It's not a happy story. But it's it's. I, I really love how Matt Damon um, portrayed Mr. Ripley. I thought it was kind of interesting. Also, he learned uh, Jude Law learned to play the saxophone, and Matt Damon learned to play the piano. They both did it just for this film alone. And Matt Damon had to lose thirty pounds to do this role. So I thought that was kind of interesting. He's always kind of buff anyway, but I thought I thought it was a great movie. I just thought just I didn't walk away feeling like, like oh wow, how inspirational. <laughs> it doesn't make you feel good. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I used to think that I used to think that Matt Damon and Hillary Swank were brother and sister because they had the same mouth. They kind of do. They kind of do. <laughs> they got those big teeth. So um, the only thing I the only fault I have with this movie is the ending. And because it's kind of quick. Well, no, I guess I guess my problem is is, is that they added a character, Kate Blanche's character. Yeah, what was the deal with that? I don't know, but because because they added the character, it kind of screwed up the end of the movie. That, yeah, got, I was I went back to the book and I could not find him anywhere, so I didn't misread. Yeah. I thought he might be a character from another book that they brought in. No, so what they've done because they added in Kate Blanchett's character, then what happens is is that when we get to the end, and of course, he runs into her. Yeah, she's got a monkey he, wrench, isn't she? But but he's also having an affair with the guy who's in, involved in this social sh- circle that everyone knows. Right. So, and then you know, and of course, he kills him at the end because that's what's happening. Oh, Tom, right. you hurt me. Then so he kills him. But the thing is, like, you know, what about her? Because you're gonna have to kill her as well. Because she she goes, oh, I thought I saw you with such and such. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and it's like, okay, now another person's dead, and they, now she. Th- and the thing is, because he she kills the guy, she Freddy. thinks that Sticky Greenleaf, who's supposed to be dead, so kind of. You know, well, he's supposed to be dead, but right. you know, situation. So basically, it kind of just screws up the whole end, really. That's true. I never thought of that. Dickie was supposed to be murdered, but he's walking around as Dickie, and Dickie's well, not. He was, well, he was walking around as Tom. He's back to being Tom, right? When he's having an affair with a. Uh, that's right. Okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it does get convoluted. And this guy, the guy's not in the book, is he? The man who he has the affair with, kind of, sort of, towards the end. I think he's mentioned, but I don't think. But it know, doesn't seem like they're doing anything sexually. It looks like they just like no. each other. But yeah, I mean, in the book in the book he's just mentioned that oh, you know, he's part of the gang. He's kind of mentioned, but I don't think there's any scenes or anything between them. And yeah, Kate Blanchett. I really that was really. I mean, she really was an unneeded secondary character, kind of. I, I don't. I think the movie could have done without her. Now well, I think they could have done well. She's a brilliant actress. I mean, she's fantastic oh, God, in the yeah. role. But yeah. but as far as the character is concerned, it's kind of like, 
Because the thing is, he kills him when he's being Tom Ripley. But what he should have done is killed her as Dickie Greenleaf, because Dickie Greenleaf's supposed to be dead. So, right. so, he, so him killing him, killing him and being Tom Ripley, which is fine. This is who he is. Don't forget now. he had to got, kill Freddie too, because Freddie figured it out. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, um, but at the end, he, okay, everything's sorted by the end of the film. So when they're on the boat at the end, everything's sorted. So he's he's back to being Tom Ripley. Dickie's dead. He's got Greenleaf's money, right? So on and so forth. Everything's fine. So. Which, you know, he's being himself or whatever himself is, his version of Tom Ripley that he thinks he is. But when Kate Blanchett's character comes up and goes, oh, Dickie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that means by killing the guy, that means he has to go back to being Dickie, who's supposed to be dead. So it doesn't make sense. But now Kate Blanchett knows him as Dickie. So he's, I don't remember him killing her, though. Did he kill her? No, he, no, he, the ending of the movie should be that he kills her. Well, he would have to eventually. You would Precisely. think. And okay, can, and yeah, can, so and it can, does put a yeah, it does put a wrench in the whole dynamic, doesn't yeah. it? Um, yeah, and another thing, and another thing is what Tom Ripley's quite good at in the book is that once he gets Dickie's money, he removes himself out of that those social circles where Tom's not that bright because he keeps himself in that social circles and another thing he knows that Kate Blanchett knows this other guy because remember they all met he was he was spying on them when right. he told March to meet him meet her meet her at the cafe so Kate Blanchett meet him at the cafe then cafe then she meets Marge and this other guy and they all know each other so it's kind of like uh, I don't know yeah. I think and I, I mean, I don't understand why. I mean, I guess what they're trying to, I mean, I understand what they're trying to show in the movie is that Tom has his chance of happiness, but because, because of his checkered past, he has to kill that too, because he's never going to be happy because of who, what he wants and what he aspires to be. So he's never going to have that personal relationship because he has to stand apart. So I think that's what they're trying to show, but it doesn't make a lot of sense in the movie because you're like, huh? Yeah, that did kind of that. Now that I'm actually thinking about it, that did screw up a lot of that. I don't wonder why they did that. What they felt the need to, for to add that extra additional character in there to give it more of a well, twist in the movie. I, I think I think I could I could think a reason. I don't know. Just to start, what when the movie starts and he travels to meet uh, Dicky, Dicky, the first thing he asked was, "What's your talent? What you are good at?" Yes, yes. And when I when I saw the first the movie the first time or even the second time I think I found it like halfway through I don't remember, but I never pay attention to that. But that was really important for me because it kind of like um, this time I saw the movie in a different way, right? And it's like, what's your talent? And then he Tom start to to explain what was his talent who he was, but in a way that that kind of like, if you were not paying attention enough to put all the things together, but we could see because we, we are seeing the movie, you will never realize when he was open totally and saying who, who he was and everything, and when he was kind of closing, giving a step backward, observing everything to then use it uh, uh, to mix and match the, his plan and everything, and then use all that information towards what he wanted to do. I think the Michel Blanche part is like was added to add that extra sometimes problem that that 
you will think, okay, now now we're now everyone's going to know that he's um <clears throat> pretending to be Dicky when he's not. And every time she appears, it's like kind of appearing in the in the wrong moment, you know. And I think mm. that's why they put it to to keep the the viewer all the time watching the movie and say, okay, what's going to happen now? And yeah. I think that's what like towards the end, in one way, yes, could could have like affect the end, but in a way it's like Okay, now he has he he got everything. He got Dick's money, all the contacts. Now he's with this man in the boat. Everything sounds like the police never cut Cock James. So everything, as you see, is perfect for him. And then she appears again, like to say, okay, what's going to do? She now she's going to know. No, again. And I was thinking, what would have happened if the man, I don't remember his name, wouldn't have seen him kissing her? Right. He saw them for a moment. I thought, okay, now imagine that um, Tommy's feeling what Dicky was feeling before. You know, like he was uh, kissing that her, and then the, the other one came back. When he came back to the um, room, he said, "Ah, oh, did you have a good time with her?" Like kind of like uh, he was jealous. Oh yeah, yeah. When they were on the boat, is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Does yeah. that seem like it really pissed? Uh, Ripley off that that he went yes, down there. What did he give her Marge attention or something to that effect? Or because yes. she was upset. And well, he, he kind of, but he, but he had to play that part because he's now being Dicky again. Because remember, he this, that whole thing about him being Dicky in front of her. He did that before he even arrived and met Dicky Greenleaf. Yes. He did yes. that. Remember, because she goes, she goes, why, why are you staying in the R's if your last name is Greenleaf? Oh, I'm, I'm using my mother's maiden name, which is R. To pick up his luggage and it kind of like spirals from there but i mean it's i mean but she so in the movie yeah she, she always showing up and it makes it very interesting but what it does you get this kind of ending that doesn't make a lot of sense because it would have made more sense for him to like kiss her and throw her off the boat yeah well i thought he was gonna do really? that well that's yeah. what i thought he was gonna do in the beginning but even in Marge, at least in the book, not so much, but in the movie, Marge kind of had his numbers. She knew he killed Dickie. She was everybody's going, oh, just the patronizing, oh, you're crazy, calm down, you know. See, and, well, but and it's really interesting because if you, I don't know if you remember, but in the movie, Marge discovers everything, and she doesn't believe Tom anymore. But there was a moment where the, there was um. Um, detective con uh, hired by his dad, right? Meeting with Tom and said, "Well, look what happened. Dicky killed someone when he was, I think, he was drunk somewhere, and mm. that was." Oh, that's it. right. He had killed somebody prior. To yes, yeah. that's why. Let's say that's why he went. No, I don't know. If that's why he went to Europe. But if if they wanted to kind of bring the whole truth. The, the all that society will know that Dickie has killed someone before. Yeah, and they also knew about Dickie getting the girl pregnant as well, and that Marge doesn't know. So girl, you can't, yeah. so you, you can't really let Marge know anything because she's a woman and wouldn't be able to handle the truth and so on and so forth. Oh my forth. God, that was incensing in both the Bible and the book, how they were treating Marge. If I was Marge, I would have freaking got a long rifle and started shooting all of them. I mean, that was, well, was I, really, it was, it just made me mad because they kept slapping her down. It's like, God, stop. Because she's the only well, the one thing, going on. Well, I mean, in the in the book, Marge is kind of 
just there sort of thing. So she doesn't know anything that's she's going just on. Kind she of doesn't, a pasty, she doesn't really, milk toast. Kind well, of she's kind of like this, you know, kind of sees the good in everyone or whatever, whatever that can be. And it's all, and she's so tied up about, you know, how Dickie's left her and she doesn't understand how Dickie left her. And she's tied up in all that. The movie kind of switches it where Marge just got, you know, a bit of a brain on there, you know, a bit of a brain. But I mean, there are a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of subtle, very subtle differences that kind of change the movie from the book. For right. instance, you know, when Tom goes on the um, boat in the book, he is aware of what he's going to do to Dickie. He has it planned out in his head. It was already you know, premeditated in the book. Yeah. Where in the film, it's not premeditated and it's almost like Dickie starts making fun of Tom. So yeah. therefore Tom strikes out in retaliation. And then when he realizes what he's done, he kind of has to continue because they're fighting. So, so it kind of changes the tone a lot from what you got in the film, you know, cause, and I got a feeling like in the film, what they wanted to do, they wanted you to, because I think if he had, if they did it by in the book, you might not be rooting for Tom Ripley, but they wanted Tom to be as likable as possible. So therefore, Dickie's death is an accidental death, not a premeditated death, which kind of puts it in a different sort of light situation. You know, and and it's even frustrating though... It's how naive, though, everybody, everybody in this book is, except Ripley. He plays them like a QR. I mean, it's just, they just, he, it makes these characters are so naive and insipid that they, he controls everything, the whole narrative, and these people don't even realize it. That's what I guess is why he, that's his talent, manipulation. Well, I, I think yeah, his talent is that plus um, he, he uses information really like wisely, you know, he knows about things and knows about like, uh, the contacts and who is who. What what if you see, for example, from Dickies, like he did, like he study what he liked. It, you know, we know when he was walking on the, when he was saying, oh, I think I'm I'm leaving today, blah blah blah, and then he drops um, what he having his bag, and they're all the the music that Dickie used to like, and he starts to say, ah oh, yes, you know this my favorite uh, jazz. Um, um finger is someone and then he said oh yeah that's a and it, it's not that he knew he had to kind of like study the music and remember the names um i don't know but, I, I, oh that's right guys, he had to memorize all that jazz all of those artists i mean he put to, a lot into this scam he really did yeah. well Di i mean dicky gets his number by the end of it as well so you know, because Dickie goes, do you even like jazz? Yeah, he figured did it I out. Even, did did yeah. I even go to school with you? And he figures it out. And that's, you know, it kills, you know, it kills that. So I think that they probably could have done that. But I think they wanted to make Matt Damon likable. So therefore, it's like he Matt didn't Damon want to kill Dickie. But it, it was like it was that by accident. That he I wanted to either. strangle him to the whole movie. That smile of his. He pissed me off the whole time getting away with it. I mean, it's just that smile. It's just like, isn't anybody going to figure this out? It's well, like, my damn. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, that's another thing. I think um in the movie, and, you know, I think I, I, I do really like the movie, but I also think to myself is that Tom Ripley is kind of smarmy 
in the movie. He's a you know, and, you're kind of thinking, and you're kind of thinking, it's like, why would you want this person around there? He's kind of I geeky, know, why he's would awkward, you he's out? gawky. That, that's yeah. what I was wondering. I, but then again, these guys were the idle rich. Maybe people like this just kind of, you know, added extra. Well, it's it's, Mar- it's Mars that brings them into the, it brings him into the circle. That's anyway. right. Oh well, yeah. So, so, and um, but uh, you know there are there are, you know the Freddy character. I mean, yeah, he's disgusting. So anyway, <laughs> you know, yeah, Freddy's in, in, just in the book, a, a, I mean, what was his the book? He had a little more purpose. He's just kind of a construct of being an asshole in the movie. I mean, he always plays unsavory characters. What's his name? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. He always played a savory characters, except in, in, in Twister. I loved him in Twister. <laughs> he was a nice, funny guy in Twister, but in every other movie, well, no way. And I take that back when he was in the Hunger Games. He turned out to be a good guy in the Hunger Games. Okay, so there's two where he was a good guy, but he always okay. plays somebody that's irritating, kind of. Yeah, yeah he was okay. He was in okay in Magnolia as well. He's quite good in that as well. Yeah. But yeah, no, you know, he totally plays that. And the thing is, the whole gay subtext is like, you know, what moving his hand around like this. It's like, but he wasn't gay though, or by in the movie or the book, was he, Freddie? No, he, no, he's talking about Tom. Oh, he's yeah. yeah. Tom. I, I'm like, still oh. trying to figure out if everybody's bisexual in this book or if they're actually homosexual. Like, 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 like Dickie. Did he was he didn't even seem like he's really or even the book or the movie didn't really seem that attracted to Marge. It's almost like she's kind of a burden, you know. And that's why I think that that uh, Tom thought he might have an, an in in this relationship because he thought well, maybe I, he was attracted to it because there was some kind of sexual tension. Yeah, but when when I don't, I mean, the thing is, what you hear about Tom is that when you find out that there is kind of an attraction to Dickie from Tom's point of view, it had to do with. Tom is a narcissist. Big time. Be- because at the end of the day, he goes, you know, what attracts him to Dickie is that they have the same hands. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the hands. I yeah. forgot about the hands. Yeah. And and, the, and they have the same similarities. And, you know, um, and to the point where he starts mimicking him and being more like him, because the only thing that was changing is some of his attributes as far as his personality is concerned. Well, he forged his name perfectly after a while. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, so in the book, what you get is that, you know, what he likes about Dickie is what he likes about himself, which is kind yeah. of, but, you know, so. so he's, a, he's a sociopath is what he is. He's a total yeah. sociopath. What what he likes uh, from Dickie is like, Dickie is how he would like to be, truly. Mm. Like. If he has money, uh, that's how he gets yeah, money. Um, well, he he used to play piano, but if you if you at the beginning of the movie you see that everyone has gone from the opera and he goes there and starts to play the piano, like by himself and he plays really good, but not in real life nobody knows him. He's just tuned pianos, and for me was there's a tons of me little details in this movie that are really like really cool. Like well, that one that I told you first, then um. There's like kind of like for moments that that Tom kind of I see it like this like open the door and let you see how he is then he closes it and then then he pretends to be someone else and then he opens the door plays and then closes it so you never know exactly when he's truly him or not 
For example, I think he's, he's truly him when he goes to the opera and then he starts to cry. And then there's I'm glad singing. you brought up the opera because that was really telling that opera because I mean that was just so kind of like what he did to Dickie the phone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was and so important. Sees, the opera yeah. was so important. And and he was like like moved because of the opera and, and, and maybe seeing in front of him like the action of what he what he did. Another, there's a scene that is for me really interesting that he's going with a motorbike and he starts to see Dicky and he's going through a passage and they're all mirrors, one next to the other. And it, it, for me, it was really clever because a mirror projects image of you all the time. But then he starts to see Dicky in those, in those mirrors, not him, up to the point that, that he was like kind of crazy and then he get like fall from the bike so for me that's like right. those details that are really visual really interesting um thing and see that's why i think that's why the book that's why the book and film are quite different really because yeah. in the in the book tom ripley is a con artist and he'll do anything in the movie tom ripley's not a con artist to begin with He's someone that basically his father, you know, Dickie's father comes up to him. He, he's very, he's poor, you know, he's he's doing odd jobs. He's doing whatever he can to pay the yeah. rent, living in a really horrible place situation, yeah. um, you know, and, you know, he gets offered this opportunity to go to Europe. And then because of a bunch of circumstances, he ends up becoming this person. Well, he yeah. gets Where, smart. He adapts really well. So. Yeah, but in, see, but in the book, he's already that person right, before he right. even goes to Europe, sort of thing. You know, That's you know, true. he's embarrassed. You know, like when remember, like um, I remember in the book, it's like these people that he's living with, and he's only using them because um, he had to move because of some of the scams and con artist things that he was doing. Remember, because he always no, thinks that someone's following him, and so he's staying with this other person, and then then he goes to go on the boat, and then these people shove the show him off, and he fucking hates it. In the, in the book, though, as opposed to the movie, though, I, and I mean, I just maybe I just got up for a second when the father approached uh, Matt Damon. How did he figure that he went to school with his son? Because 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 he's playing the he's he's at this reception or whatever like that playing the piano right. and he's filling in he's filling in for someone who went to Princeton. So okay, he's using that person's that's name. Okay, that's right. That's right. So so. And he goes, oh, I, you know, because he's and then that that woman he's supposed to be engaged with. It's not him who's engaged. He's he's because he's because the guy broke his arm, so he's not able to play the piano. Right. So he's filling in for him. And you remember because they, they go to the car and he goes, well, thanks for filling in for me. And the girl jumps in the car. Yeah, we'll see you later, Tom. <laughs> and the guy and the guy's calling after you know thinks that Tom is this person I'm with the Princeton. Yeah, so okay. that's how. And it was really interesting. I, totally, I, I saw that, the piano stuff that went. Yeah. Okay. Then, then that man that went to Princeton was telling him a lot of uh, information, and for a good, let's say, for a good hour, uh, Tom just shut up and listened to this man and get, tried to get more information as he could, but he didn't know what for. And then he found a way how to use that information when he needed. That that I think that was his talent. In the movie, you see really clearly that sometimes he shut up and he, he seems in, he's not there, but he's he knows what, what is happening. He's reading all the the situation and then try to move it towards um, his will. Um, the, the interesting I thought thing, he took though, off his the shirt there for a while. He was trying to get Marge or somebody sexually interested in him, but 
Absolutely. No, no, he's, he's just really, you know, it's a show that he's really pale. That he has, he's not in the sun. Because that's right. He says something about God, you need a tan. You haven't been in the sun. Okay. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Yeah. And he's like the tourist. And then, of course, as he gets more and more tan, he becomes more and more integrated into them, sort of thing. What's quite interesting about Talented Mr. Ripley, you know, it may sound like a bit of fiction. There is a play that which they later turned into a movie, which is a true life case called Six Degrees of Separation. The movie stars Stocker Channing, Donald Sutherland, and Will Smith. And What's basically it's about six degrees of separation. Okay. And basically what it's you know, it's Will Smith's first movie, actually. I've actually, never he's, heard he's of up, it. Never heard he was of up it. for an Oscar. He's, he's actually up for an oh, Oscar shit. for Best I've never heard actor. of it. I'll have to look it up today. But what's interesting is this true case about this black guy mm-hmm. who meets up with this uh, one of the kids of these socialites who's gay and he teaches them all about these socialites and all about their lives and stuff like this so he shows up at one of these socialites houses pretend he's been stabbed and said that he's Sidney Poitier's son and they're um and Sidney Poitier's thinking about making a movie called Cats based on the Broadway musical oh shit and they and they all could have starring roles. So he basically, and all the kids are away. So basically all the socialite parents take this kid in thinking that he's Sidney Poitier's son. Huh. Um, and the thing is, and the kids and the kids are like, we don't know who the fuck he is. Sort of thing. And they go, you know, you, must, you just don't remember him because you guys are racist because we're socialites. And basically what, I mean, basically what comes out, I mean, he didn't really take any money or anything from them. But basically what happens is, is that, um, you know, he was a, he was a street hustler. And he ends up meeting this guy and this girl, and um, he ends up having an affair with the guy, and the guy kills himself, and the girl calls him up, and so and then it all comes out that he's this con artist that you know he's not Cindy Portier's son and stuff, but it's so much like Ripley, it's kind of funny, but it's just a true version. And this happened like in the nineties, mm-hmm. like forty years after this book, and the funny thing about it is that. The Talented Mr. Ripley book was this guy's favorite book. This guy, he's like picked up tricks of the trade through this Ripley <laughs> character. So it's quite interesting. I don't know what, what I really like is really well done in the movies. Like for me, when I, if you see like these people, it's like they're like in eternal holiday. Well, Dickie mm-hmm. is in a like kind of eternal holiday. But because if, if you see it's like in all these, these situations in the movie, there's no, uh, for me, like kind of like something that brings them back to a normal life, right? Well, what we think is a, because it's a high high class society, right? Mm-hmm. But if you think yeah. it's like there's no like worries except Tom. Tom has that worry because he's like kind of like poor at the beginning, but all the rest is like, for example, like I've seen it, it's like it's a perfect uh, atmosphere, like no no stress about the money. Everything is beautiful, you know, the, 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 I don't know, where they are, the food, um, love, like, kind of, like, it's like, an, in like, like, in a honeymoon, let's say, right? And then Tom enters there for a, for a, for a minute and also gets in love, like, with um, Dickie. And then when he, I think when he realizes that, that uh, now Dickie's realizing that and he can't hide it anymore, and the 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 outcome of when he tried to say, it, let's say he never says, but it's a no. He need to do something with all that, and then that thing that's why. And then he need to kill him. 
You know what movie kept going through my mind when I was watching this? American Psycho. I don't know why, but I kept trying to do, drawing some parallels between American Psycho, probably because they were both sociopaths. But yeah. I don't know why I kept that movie kept going through my head when I was watching this. Probably because I don't know. You've got the money. You've got the narcissistic attitude. You got the sociopathic thing going on. You know, you've got the kill. But I mean, at least, at least, you know, he had a, a reason. Why, well, I don't even know if he had a reason to kill in, in American Psycho, other than it was just entertaining. But um, it was, it was just the sociopath aspect of it. I mean, I didn't really think of what a sociopath was till I started reading into it. It's, this guy is a sociopath. But he's also, you know, like, I mean, he's the king of the grift in the book. But, but Keith's right. I didn't really put that together until he just said it. This was not premeditated in the movie. This just kind of just falls into his lap and he just takes yeah. the ball and runs. Yeah. We're in the movie. He's already a sociopath to begin with. So, I mean, and the book, again, he's already the a sociopath. End, you don't think he's, you think he's going to get caught. It's just like, oh, little bastard's going to get caught, but then you get caught in the book. So I figured he's going to get away with it in the movie. But, you know, I really thought that was it. And nope. Well, know? I think because the way the movie ends, I don't think, I mean, I, I don't see, if they did a sequel, I don't see how he would have got away with it. You know, there's, there's too, ma too many people close people to him. People knew what was going on. Him. But well, I mean, too many people around him are dying. I mean, it's just like, Come on, you know what I mean? They blame it like, on everybody else, though. I mean, doesn't anybody? Yeah, I guess well, this well, is the '50s. They didn't have DNA. They didn't yeah, have but, the internet. They didn't none of that. Yeah, so. but the thing is, you, you okay? He, you know, two people die, so you, you know, you probably can get away with it. But you know, and you know, and whether Tom was there for, for you know Freddie and Dickie and all the other stuff, you probably get away with it. But with the one on the boat, Tom's there, and this guy dies. You know, gets strangled or whatever. And it's like. What everywhere now is going to be like everywhere Tom goes, someone dies. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's a bit. Well, too he is like the Prince of Darkness. Wherever he goes, some bad yeah. shit. Well, but, but, but he probably won't be able to get away with it like he's like he did before. That's the well, thing. Obviously, well, he's that's... getting away with it for three more books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's the books. No, I'm talking about the movie. The movie wouldn't. Gotcha. You know, if but, it is sequel for a movie, but what, the what books he gets think, away with because it it's more clever. Your thinking is is really similar to the Italian detective that says, "Look." You were the last time that that Tom was with um, Dickie. The, the last time that you were together was like I think he said November the seventh, and they said well, but uh, and there were they, they said there were two Americans going on a boat, and I said and then um, Tom says well, but do you know how many people were there? Two um, uh, many Americans were there in that in the holiday. It could be fifty, so no, thirty eight <laughs> or thirty four. Right. So you see that the detective is coming closer to to know, and is is really near. Until then, mm. Tom was fast enough to say move the things and then send them out. And I don't know. It's in in a way, it's like I think that Tom sees Dickie as a kind of a sociopath that knows someone. They're both sociopaths. Yes. Um, meet someone. Make me make him believe that person that the person knows is special, and then when the person has like that's is not used anymore, goodbye. That that's what he sees for the Italian lady that you know that that got pregnant, and uh, himself, um, Marge, like he could see like. 
for moments he's there, then he goes, enters and goes, lies and, and goes, and then. I mean, that's another thing the movie changed as well is that Dicky goes, "Well, I'm going to marry Marge." In the book, he has no intention of marrying Marge. No. Well, I think I think so. that he had a, a weak moment there. Jude Law did at one point because well, in the mo- oh, in the movie he does, but in the book, yeah. nothing. No, he wasn't going to marry her in the book. Like I said, there these yeah, people. That's what I'm either. saying. I did not get vested in any of these characters. Everybody mm. was mean or stupid or naive or just deserved what they got. And I mean, there was really. Both. Were you guys vested in any of these people? I mean, they were it horrible, was, all of them. It was really interesting because I don't know if you remember, but in the movie, like, um, Dickie said to to Tom that he was not interested uh, to be a dad, never, never have a family. And he said that um, he was an only son and March also was an only daughter, so they were didn't have any brothers. That's right, that's right. And he was not planning to to have kids whatsoever. And then he got angry when the lady committed suicide because she was pregnant. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the girl. That and, was, and, yeah. Then I thought, and then I thought, and then Tom was like, well, hold on. You said you don't want to have kids. And when someone is pregnant about your kids, you get annoyed. So it's like kind of like confusion. And then he kicked the at the table where was all the music. And then make you think, okay, well, he's going to end with March because he realized that, and no, and then he's like on a flip, then he's back to her, to her. So, I don't know, I think it's a really interesting moving to, like, even though it looks really superficial for moments, right, it's really, like, deep in the other parts. Um, yeah, I, I think, and I, well, I have some... Um, I, I don't know. Today, when I was watching the movie, I thought, okay, hold on. It has been maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes now that everything is like uh, I was saying before, like an illusion of a perfect holiday. They're in a beautiful oh, place. Yeah, it was like a all day the, in all the pleasure, All the pleasure you could have food, theater, uh, even when, for example, when he's sitting on the bathtub and he's like relaxing, you know, everything. There's no like, Okay, sorry, I, um, I need to go to work. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, they have all the money in the world, but these people are still miserable. Just miserable people. It doesn't matter how much, no amount of money. Well, can I, don't, any of these I don't know. Have. I think Dickie, Dickie was enjoying the best of life. And of course, well, he was happy him. with it. I mean, he enjoyed the value of a yeah. dollar, obviously. Well, I mean, I think Marge did as well. I mean, the thing is, is like, yeah. you know. You know, it's like I'm working on my book. I'm spending, you know, we're going, we go out boating in the evenings. You sit there and lay out in the sun. In the mornings, you know, we get up and have breakfast. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like there's never ending, you know, none of them are faced with the reality of life situation. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's, I guess we. I mean, I guess we can rate the movie. So let's start with you, Leandro. How many stars would you rate this? Oh, four point five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what about I, Vix? 
I gave it a 4.5, but only because you're right. I didn't. I was going to give it a five until you threw the Kate Blanchett monkey wrench in there. And that got me to thinking that really is a little bit of a faux pas, you know, maybe just a smidge. But it was an excellent film. Excellent film. I mean, I'm going to give it a 4.5 because, you know, I would give it a five if it wasn't for if I didn't that ending kind of bothered me. And to be honest, it's only after reading the book and then the ending kind of, then watching the film. I've seen this film about three or four times. I think it's brilliantly acted. I think it's brilliantly filmed and stuff like this. Yeah. But it is a film that you can't think too much about because it starts falling apart a bit. That's the problem. I guess that's the problem with it. But the way it looks and everything about it is fantastic. So, you know, so I, I will give it a, I'll give it a solid 4.5. Just as long as you shut your it's a great film. Yeah, just as long as you shut your mind off and don't think too hard on it. Yeah, you fine, definitely so. can't overthink it. Well, well that brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Next book to screen will be The Beloved by Toni Morrison and the film starring Oprah Winfrey and Danny Glover. And of course, we'll be continuing our Batman anime series next week. Doctor Who will be continuing, of course, with um, with their 1965 at the moment. And of course, our make remake will be Halloween, the 1978 and then the Rob Zombie remake. And our two for one is Your Next and The Guest. So it's good night for myself and good night, Leandro. Good night, everyone. Good night, Vix. Good night, everybody. Take care of each other. And we'll see you next week for Batman the Animated Series. Good night, folks. Con mano a papà da fa guarda. Tu fa l'americano, americano, americano. Sienta me chi do papà. Tu vuoi vivere alla moda, ma se bevi whisky e soda, poi tu siente disturbato. Tu a ballo rock and roll, tu gioca baseball, fai sorrita beccamella. Te li dà la borsetta di mamma tuo fa l'americano, americano, americano. Ma si nati in Italia, sienta a me non c'è sta niente fa. Ok, Napolitan, tuo fa l'americano, tuo fa l'americano, tuo fa l'americano, tuo fa
americano, americano, americano. Ma si nati in Italia, sienta a me non c'è sta niente a fare. Ok, Napolitan, tuo pala americano, tuo pala americano. Wish che so del rock and roll, wish che so del rock and roll. Wish que so del rock and roll, tuvo para la americana, tuvo para la americana. Wish que so del rock and roll, wish que so del rock and roll, wish que so del rock and roll. 